Bootlegging is a crime that we often think is fairly old-fashioned, but the reality is that this is a practice that is still embraced to this day. Even though alcohol is legal to make, and plenty of people do make their own, legally, selling alcohol in secret is a practice that many people still embrace, knowing full well that it's illegal. And as you'll find out, most of them don't really care. In part one of our two-part episode on bootlegging, we discussed a couple of wild crimes and the details around them, but most of them were fairly old. Now, I want to discuss a prominent case from 2021, when a talented moonshine maker known for running a completely legal alcohol empire was arrested for producing over 9,000 gallons of moonshine in an old barn on a farm in North Carolina. Roger Nance, who often goes by the name of Buck, was the proud master distiller at completely legal moonshine company Copper Barrel. Now, North Carolina is actually known for its moonshine. In fact, it's considered the moonshine capital of the world for both historic and modern reasons. Though making moonshine is completely legal, as long as you make and sell it legally, under the layer of completely legal businesses, you will find that some people preferred the old ways. And it's pretty easy to see why this is the case. It isn't about quality. It isn't about flavor or secret mixes. It all comes down to money. The simple truth is that selling alcohol under the table can make you quite a bit of money and you'll never have to pay taxes for it. Until the government finds out, of course. With an age-old practice and agreements that exist only by word of mouth, there are a surprising number of illegal alcohol operations going on, and for some people, it's the perfect side gig. Nance is known for his talents in the legal alcohol space. He makes really incredible moonshine, and people are happy to pay for it, especially if it comes at a lower price, which illegal practices can offer. Nance was such a big deal that he actually custom-designed most of the tools and materials that Copper Barrel uses, and he's believed to have improved the moonshine-making process completely. I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how much his legal business practices were making him, but apparently he decided that he wanted more. In the very least, he wanted to keep the more than $100,000 that he saved by illegally selling alcohol. In 2009, he was charged with owning nearly a thousand gallons of illegal moonshine, but he pretty much got away with it. They could nail him for his possession of it, but since they couldn't find his distillery, they couldn't really prove that he was responsible for making it or that he was selling it. He was fined, and that was about it for over 10 years. Now, I'm not sure if police kept an eye on him after all that time, hoping to maybe catch him in the act, but eventually they did. Kind of. 
As far as anyone can tell, Nance's great downfall wasn't caused by him at all. Right before police went after Nance, a driver was pulled over for speeding, and when police took a look inside their car, they found an abundance of illegal moonshine. The general consensus is that this guy sold out Nance, who was 75 years old when he got arrested. And he wasn't the only one. Police were out for blood, and they went after pretty much anyone involved in the process. From what I can tell, the guy who confessed and named everyone else involved was able to file a plea and remove some of the charges. But everyone involved is facing up to five years in prison and a fine of $250,000. But we're gonna have to see what actually comes of it. It looks like there's still a chance that they might walk away without prison time. So, we'll follow up on that at a later date. Something I find surprising about some of these stories is that, generally, the people involved have really legitimate careers. Whether they had one before or made one after, their big personalities, intellects, and talent for business seem to spread far and wide. And the last bootlegger on our list... William Frederick McCoy was yet another man running a business when he saw dollar signs in the form of the illegal liquor trade. However, the difference is that he wasn't all that successful before this. Running a business alongside his brother, he was focused on transporting goods across the sea. It was an honorable business to be in, and it was something that there was a fairly high demand for, but his business wasn't all that successful. In fact, it was drifting below the sea, and fast at that. Fortunately, Prohibition opened up a lot of new business opportunities, and having a boat was really handy. William McCoy defined by the popular phrase the real McCoy due to his high-quality whiskey that was never diluted, ultimately became a rum runner. Like most people who were drawn into the world of crime, he tried it out with a little taste to start. A single shipment. He made so much money transporting that alcohol that he knew he needed to do it again, but better. Inspired by his earning potential, he invested in a giant boat. Remember how we discussed all of those souped-up cars that people used to evade the law? Well, he took inspiration from that. Knowing that rum running was a dangerous business, and if you remember, we discussed how one of the deadliest shootouts in California involved rum runners moving stock by boat, he decided to upgrade his vessel. To do this, he added a really fast motor and even had a machine gun hidden below deck that was just waiting to unleash hell on his enemies. Now, I think we can all appreciate the dedication to his boat, but he did kind of make a rookie mistake. It's true that a giant boat made it possible for him to transport way more booze, consequently making more money, but it wasn't exactly subtle. People could see this massive ship from all around, so he decided it was time to call in a little help. Now, it's important to note that McCoy referred to himself as an honest lawbreaker. 
While some of the other rum runners were working with local crime syndicates and paying off the cops, he never worked with anyone he deemed unseemly. And his reputation really was very telling. He never diluted his liquor, never asked for special favors, and refused to work with criminals. But I wouldn't say his nose was completely clean in this. Like many men and women who have played a big role in any kind of market that risks public health, McCoy never drank his own stock. He was, however, happy to make money off those who did. McCoy's boat was way too easy to spot, and given its size, it was possible for the local authorities to chase it down. So he started dropping anchor far out from the shore and paying captains of smaller boats to get the alcohol to land for him. This went on for quite a while, but he eventually got taken down. Following a gunfight, he was taken into custody, but some even praise him for this. During the fight, several members of the Coast Guard actually boarded his ship while their fellow Coast Guard folks were firing at the water directly in front of the boat. Now, this act is called non-compliant boarding, which is something that my boyfriend is actually trained in, so I have to say I really love how this turned out. Basically, these people got on board, and he and his crew took off on the boat with the seamen and their lieutenant. The men pleaded with him to release them, so he actually just took them back to their boat and surrendered. And when he ended up in court, he pointed out an important detail. He was keeping his boat more than three miles from shore, so he wasn't technically breaking those laws. It was legal where he was. He spent less than a year in jail and then jumped into new ventures, continuing to sail throughout his lifetime. I hope you enjoyed this little step away from the doom and gloom of traditional true crime with me. And of course, if you want to discuss illegal trades, fancy evasive maneuvers, or the limitless capacity for crime and business, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. <laughs>